the most influential person in the history of the world was asked this question. Will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to talk with God, how to commune with him, how to enjoy him, how to have a conversation? Will you teach us to pray? And Jesus responded by giving us the Lord's Prayer. And over the last six weeks, we've been working our way through Matthew chapter six, we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer, and we've been talking about what it means to enjoy God and be enjoyed by God, to commune with him, to uh, respond in love to his love for us. Because the reality is, Christianity is not just a set of beliefs that we're supposed to adhere to. It's not just a set of beliefs that we're supposed to adhere to, but it is a lifestyle that we are invited to follow. It's not just something that we're supposed to believe, it's a life that we're supposed to live, that we're invited to live, things that we're invited to put into practice. And God isn't just some impersonal, distant being that created the universe and is just letting things play out, but he is deeply involved, deeply personal, incredibly relational, and he's created us to enjoy him forever. In fact, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says it this way, the chief end of man, the purpose of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what we were created for. And today, we are, are, we've said this in several weeks prior, but our goal in this series, as we're learning how to pray, our goal is not to improve your prayer life. Our goal is to help you learn to enjoy God. Because if you learn to enjoy God, the byproduct of that is that your prayer life will improve. Right, So this whole series, what we're talking about is learning to enjoy God, to be in relationship with the God who created us, to be in relationship with him. And today, we are, uh, we're moving into the portion of the Lord's Prayer that's all about submission. Four words, your will be done. So we've talked about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and today, your will be done. Matthew chapter six, verse 10. Now, your will be done. When you hear that at first, it can sort of feel like you're just resigning yourself kind of passively over to whatever it is that God wants to do. Like, God, I'm gonna sit here and just say your will be done and you just do whatever you wanna do while I just kind of twiddle my thumbs and wait for something to happen. Right, but that's not how Jesus is teaching us to pray. Jesus is teaching us to pray, your will be done, meaning God, may your will happen, may your desires happen, may everything that you want to happen, happen, not just out there, not just out there somewhere while I sit passively waiting for something to happen, not just out there, but right here in me, Your will be done in me, through me, around me. Use me to accomplish your will on the earth. Thomas Watson, a 17th century writer, he wrote this. He says, when you pray thy will be done, Jesus is telling you to pray two things. You are praying that you might do diligently all that he commands 
and that you also might submit patiently to all that he inflicts. That you might be a person that puts into practice everything that Jesus has commanded you to do in his word. And that you might submit and surrender your life to whatever it is that God allows to transpire in your circumstances and in, in, in your life. See, there is both full participation and cooperation with God, and there is full submission and surrender to the will of God. Now, what's interesting is if, if you think about the context of the Lord's Prayer, notice that your will be done comes before give us this day. Your will be done comes before give us this day our daily bread. And the order is extremely important because your will be done. The fact that it comes before give us this day means that the purpose of prayer, this is very important, the purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to yours, but to bend your will to God's. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do whatever it is that you want him to do. The purpose of prayer, as we see in the Lord's Prayer, is to align your will to God's will. I love the way that E. Stanley Jones wrote it. He said, if I throw out a boat hook from the boat to catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. Your will be done. See, submission to the will of God comes before we make any personal requests. So your will be done comes before give us this day. Now, that begs the question. Does that mean that my will or my desires or my wants or my hopes or my dreams, does that mean that those things don't matter? Does it mean that those things don't matter to God? And the answer, thankfully, is not at all. They do matter. In fact, we're commanded in many different places to bring our desires, our requests to God, to bring those things to him and submit them to him. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Bring your requests to him. Or I love the way that Psalm 37 says it, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So does God care about what you want? Does he care about your desires? Does he care about your will? Absolutely. Your desires matter to God. He loves you. He is a perfect father and he invites you to bring your requests, your wants, your desires to him. And in my opinion, the better question is not, does God care? The better question is, are we even aware of what our desires actually are? Can we even articulate what it is that we actually want in any given situation? Because I think the bigger problem in Western American culture is that we are running so fast from activity to activity. We are running at such a frenzied pace 
We are trying to keep up with the world and we are so distracted that if anybody were to stop us in any given situation and ask us what it is that we're actually wanting, what it is that we actually desire, what it is that we're actually after in any given situation, we would have to slow down and stop for a significant amount of time to even figure it out. What are we actually after? What is it that we want? What is it that we're, we're striving for? And the reality is, if you don't know what your desires are, not only can you not understand why you're doing the things that you're doing, why you're reacting the, way, the ways that you're reacting, why you think, act, behave in, in certain ways, not only can you not understand those things, but you certainly can't pray your will be done because what are you actually saying? What are you even submitting to? Right? If you don't know what your desires are, how in the world can you submit your desires to God? So let me give you an example and put flesh on this for us. If you're a parent and you love basketball and uh, when no one's watching, you secretly are praying, God, one day, I just, I beg you, let my son become an NBA star. God, that's, this is my, this is what I'm after. I just want to, I know he's, the chances are slim and he's probably only gonna be five foot seven, but you did it for Steph Curry, you can do it for my son. Right, you can do anything. So God, I want my son to make it to the NBA. Okay, if you can identify that and articulate that, then and only then does your will be done hold any significance or meaning. Because only then does it mean something. You're saying, God, I know what I want for my son. I want him to be an NBA star. But ultimately, God, I know that what you want for my son is far better than anything I could come up with on my own. So I submit, I'm articulating, this is my will, this is my hope, this is my desire, but your will be done. Or if you think about it in the context of your finances, you, you know, you might say, God, I, I, I wanna make more money so I can be more generous, so that I can support kingdom work in the world. I, I, I wanna be a generous person. But do you know what God's will is? See, if you pray, if that's your desire and you pray your will be done, there's a chance that God is looking at you going, what does my word say? Because God's will is expressed in his word. So what would God say to that? He might look at you and say, you know what, we can talk about that, but what I wanna talk about first is you becoming a better steward of what I've already entrusted to you. So if you become a better steward of what I've entrusted to you, we'll see. See, that's God's will. When you pray your will be done in my life, it means something specific. And as long as you're just vaguely or generally playing, praying your will be done, it holds little meaning or significance, right? So think about, think about this. A, a great biblical example of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, all right? The night he was betrayed, he knows the crucifixion is coming his way. He knows there is enormous suffering that's gonna, uh, that's gonna come down on him. And look at his request in Luke 22, verse 41. He says, Father, if you are willing, 
remove this cup from me. If you're willing, remove this cup from me. What is Jesus' desire in this moment? He doesn't want to go to the cross. You ever thought about that? Jesus' will and the Father's will were different. Jesus' desire in this moment is to not to have to go to the cross. He's going, oh, Father, is there any other way? Anything but that. Is there any other way? Right, Jesus had a will. It was different than his Father's will. And here's the beautiful thing about this. Jesus is modeling something for us. He knows what his desire is. He names it and brings it to the Father. That's your invitation. <laughs> to become aware of what your desires are and bring them to the Father. To bring them to him. Right? And listen, do that and don't lie because he already knows what your desires are. All right? He already knows. It's not for his benefit. It's for yours. He's already aware. He wants you to become aware of what your wants are. He wants you to become aware of what your desires are. Right? And so that's God's invitation to us, to become aware of what it is we actually want and to bring those to him and submit them to him. And then look what Jesus prays in Luke twenty two forty one. 41. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Be done. See, if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what it is that you're actually after, if you cannot name it, Praying your will be done holds very little weight because it's vague. It's general. What do you actually mean? What are you actually submitting to if you don't know specifically what it is you're after? But only when you name and bring your specific wants to God, only then does your will be done hold weight and significance and meaning because only then does it actually mean something. Right? And, and listen, the reality is We've all experienced hardship and difficulty and suffering in circumstances. We've all experienced that. And sometimes those are the, are the hardest moments to pray, your will be done. Because we're, we're going, God, I want the pain to stop. God, I want the heartache to end. God, I want healing. God, I, I want you to fix this relationship or fix this circumstance. And at the end of that, here's the thing. Whatever your circumstances are, no, no matter how difficult they are, if you can pray in those moments, God, not my will, but yours be done. What you are doing in that moment, and this is modeled for us by Jesus, what you're doing in that moment is you are placing yourself in a position where God can forge your character can sharpen and refine your character through sharing in the sufferings of Christ. See, comfortable times make weak people. But God uses suffering and hardship if we'll submit it to him to grow us, to make us resilient, to grow our character, to become more like Jesus. If we can pray in those moments, not my will, but yours be done. I want you to see this because submission in other 
religions mean something totally different. So for example, in, in Islam, submission is forced. Uh, Allah does not care what your desires are. He doesn't care. The, the primary uh, mode of submission in Islam is dominance, control, fear-driven obedience. He does not care about what your desires are. It doesn't matter to him. Okay? And what's interesting is, unfortunately, this, um, this belief has infiltrated, in certain ways, has infiltrated Christian theology to a degree. We see it in practice. That there are churches and leaders that are more about dominance and control than they are about service and humility. Okay, this is not the way of Jesus. Right? Then you look at Buddhism. Buddhism is not about, it's not about uh, God knowing what your desires are. It, it's about emptying yourself of any desire at all. It's about having no desires. It's about ridding yourself of your will entirely. It, it's almost like you're, you're not even a person. <laughs> it, it's about emptying yourself, and oddly enough, this has also infiltrated Christian theology to a degree. Right? That, that your desires don't matter to God. That you, you, you just... You just lay yourself on the altar and die and let God do whatever he wants to do. But here's the beautiful thing about Christianity, a biblical view of the will. The Christian view of the will is that God cares deeply about what you want. He cares deeply about your desires and he invites us to bring those desires to him and see his love for us and choose freely to submit our will to his will, knowing that because he's a good father and he loves his children, he's going to take care of us. That's a Christian view of the will. It's not, God, do whatever you want to do, and what I want doesn't matter. It's, God, this is what I want, and it does matter, but ultimately, I know that what you want for me is infinitely greater than anything I could come up with on my own, Therefore, not my will, but yours be done. John Wesley, he wrote this. He says, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. If you don't know God as a loving father, you cannot pray this prayer. Not genuinely. If you don't hallow the name of God, if you don't view him as holy and worthy and set apart and all-powerful and good, pure, right, just, if you don't hallow the name of God, you can't pray a prayer like that. If you are seeking to build your own kingdom, Rather than seeking first his kingdom, you can't pray this prayer. At least not in its fullness. 
Because you can't trust your life and your will over to somebody that you do not know or that you do not love or that you do not trust. But God, this is the beauty of the Lord's Prayer, God has invited you to know him deeply as your father. He's invited you to hallow his name. He's invited you to seek first his kingdom. Right? He's invited you to know him personally and deeply, to be with him, to enjoy him and be enjoyed by him, to receive his love, to be loved by him. And when you know him that way, all of a sudden it's easy to pray. I freely and wholeheartedly submit my whole life to your pleasure and disposal. Do with me whatever it is that you want. If you know him like that, only then can you pray, your will be done. And if you can do that, you'll discover in those moments, not only a sense of God's pleasure over you, but you'll know that he's with you, that he's for you. You'll, you'll have a peace knowing that you're no longer fighting for what you want. You know what you want, but you're submitted to his wants knowing that they're far better than anything that you could ever ask or imagine. That's your will be done. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. And what's interesting is most people are walking around and we're getting the Lord's Prayer out of order. We're actually, most of us are walking around and we're praying, we're praying, God, give me this day before we ever get to your will be done. We're praying, God, give me, give me, give me, give me before we ever get to what do you want? What do you want to do? What's your will? And if you can pray, your will be done before you get to give us this day, it will completely change the nature of what you ask for. It will completely change the nature of what you pray for. If you can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, when you get to give me this day, You'll have already recognized that you have everything you could possibly need in your relationship with Jesus, and it transforms your requests. Because no longer are you asking for something superficial or material, recognizing that you already have all the satisfaction you could possibly ever need in your relationship with God. It transforms what you pray for. Your will be done transforms your requests. If you can say your will be done, then the things that you ask for are gonna be things that you know God desires for you and the people around you. In the Old Testament, uh, there's this guy named Jacob. He had a really hard time with this. And you can, he's got a really strange story. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 32. I'm gonna summarize for us. But Jacob, he was a man filled with self-pity. He was always lying and cheating and deceiving. Uh, he, he always was frustrated with the, the, the circumstances he was facing. He was mad that he didn't get the wife that he wanted. He was mad that he didn't get the career that he wanted. And he's always fighting with people. He's fighting with his father. He's fighting with his uncle. He's always unhappy, always lying, always cheating, always feeling bad for himself. He's always fighting with people. He's not a happy guy. And this is one of the heroes of our faith. And one night he's out in the desert alone. And this mysterious stranger out of nowhere pounces on him. And they start fighting. 
and they're wrestling with each other. Again, it's a, a weird story. And they wrestle with each other all night long. And their hours go by, and Jacob is wrestling with this stranger. And at some point, Jacob realizes who he's wrestling with. That he's not just wrestling with any ordinary human being. Jacob realizes that he is wrestling with God himself, and his whole life flashes before his eyes. Right? And he realizes that his whole life, he thought he'd been fighting with his father, with his uncle, with his circumstances, and all of a sudden he realizes his whole life he's not been fighting with those things, but he's been fighting with God. He's been resisting God. He's been fighting against God. And Jacob thinks, as some of us might think, if we were face to face with the God of the universe, Jacob goes, aha, here's my opportunity to pin God and get everything that I think I deserve. Everything that I think I'm owed. Here's my opportunity to pin God and get what I want. And what's amazing is this is how many people and many of us approach prayer. <laughs> we think, God, this is my opportunity to pin God. To get what I want from God. To get what I think I deserve. And the way we do this is we say, okay, well, I've, I've been a Christian for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I attend church on Sunday morning. I tithe. I do good things for other people. I'm a good person. And therefore, God, you owe me. I deserve. Fill in the blank. Right? And if that's how you pray... You're, what you are not praying is your will be done. You're praying my will, not your will. You're trying to, to force God into submission through your behavior. That is not a game that God is willing to play. All right, and Jacob, what's amazing is after he realizes who he's wrestling with, he wrestles even harder. And at one point, he, it, it looks like he's doing pretty good against God. Again, it's a very strange story. And at one point, this stranger decides, I'm gonna show Jacob how much power I actually have and how little I've been actually trying in this little wrestling match of ours. He touches his hip, and his leg goes dead. And Jacob is permanently crippled. And all of a sudden, he realizes the futility and the sheer idiocy of thinking that he could pin God into submission to his own will. And yet, what's amazing is that Jacob doesn't give up. He doesn't let go. I mean, he's crippled. He's in pain. And he doesn't let go. In fact, this is what Jacob says in Genesis 32, 26. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, God hears this, and he responds. And we see what Jacob is really asking for in God's response, because God basically looks at Jacob, and, and he says, okay, well, Jacob, you know, the sun's coming up, and here's the deal. If you see my face, you're gonna die. You can't handle the glory. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the glory. Right, if you see my face, you're just gonna melt and die. And what we see in that is what Jacob is actually asking for. Because he's not saying, God bless me with things. 
He's not saying I'm not letting you go until you bless me with stuff or bless me with better circumstances or bless me with wealth. Or He's not praying bless me with things. He's saying bless me with you. God, I'm not letting go until you let me see you, until you let me behold you, until I see your face, until I behold you, until I'm with you, until I, all I want, I don't want these other things anymore, all I want is you. And what's amazing is God looks at that response and God goes, okay, I'm gonna give you a new name. You're no longer Jacob meaning deceiver. Now your name is Israel, meaning one who has wrestled with God and triumphed. You go, triumphed? He just got his butt whooped. What do you mean triumphed? His leg is dead. He's crippled. He just lost the wrestling match with God. But here's what God is saying. I just love the hidden meaning in scripture. This is so cool. This is what God is saying. He's saying, Jacob, you wrestled with me, and now you get it. Because you're no longer after what I can give you. You're after me. You're no longer trying to manipulate me to get me to submit to your will, but you've submitted not only your will, but your whole life to me. And for that reason, you have triumphed. Church, is God waiting for you to triumph? Is he waiting for you to say what Jacob said? I'm not letting go until you bless me. Not bless me with things, bless me with you. All I want is you. All I'm after is you. Everything I need is enveloped in you and who you are. Nothing else in this world compares to you. No matter how great my circumstances are, no matter how difficult my circumstances are, all I want is you, relationship with you, intimacy with you. I want to learn to enjoy you and be enjoyed by you, to receive your love for me and respond in love to you. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And you think about this, look at Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of everything that he, he taught us, everything that he said. He's, he lived it, he modeled it. And this is so upside down because Jesus shows us you don't win in life by winning. You win by losing. Jacob modeled that. You don't win by winning, you win by losing. You gain by giving and you live by dying. Doesn't that sound fun? Jesus teaches us that you only become truly great when you stop thinking and acting like you're something great. When you stop trying to convince everybody that you're something great, when you tr stop trying to prove your greatness because it's no longer about you, only then do you become great. Only when you're humble and meek, only when you become a servant are you truly great. If you're after worldly power, you're weak. If you're after dominance and control, you're weak. But only when you are truly weak before God does true power show up in your life. God's power 
Only, God says, only when you're weak does my strength show up in you. You'll never find yourself by trying to find yourself. It'll never happen. <laughs> Jesus says, you will only ever find yourself if you completely abandon yourself for my sake. Right? And when you pray, your will be done, you're praying, Lord, if I get nothing else and I only ever have you, it's enough. If I get nothing else in life and all I have is you, it's enough. All I want is you. I completely and utterly give myself to you. Your will be done. Now you look at that and go, how in the world do you gain the power to pray something like that, to live like that, to continually submit your life to God like that? Well, you have to see that there was somebody besides Jacob that wrestled with God. Because Jesus in the garden, he's wrestling with his father. And it's, it's a question of whose will is going to be done. There's wrestling happening. Because Jesus recognizes that the sin of the entire world is coming down upon him. And he's so overcome with the weight of what's ahead of him that he's literally sweating drops of blood. And he's going, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? I, 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 listen, I want to rescue humanity from sin. I want I want to pave the way. I want to, I want to rescue them. I want to save them. Is there any other way than the cross to do that? The wrath of God was coming down upon him for the sin of the world, and he's going, is there any other way? And the Father says no, and at the end, Jesus, he's not complaining, he's not whining, he stands up and he goes, your will be done. Let's do this. And he went to the cross. He submitted to the Father's will. Why? Because of his love for humanity. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You were the joy. He submitted to his Father's will because he loves you, because he wanted you. And because he submitted to his Father in heaven, Jesus Christ won by losing. He gained by giving, he lived by dying. He became a servant of all. Jesus Christ triumphed over sin and death by losing, giving, and dying. And it was all because of four words, your will be done. What is keeping you from praying those four words? Look at Jesus, knowing the price that he had to pay, knowing that it would cost him everything. He still said, your will be done. And the reality is, you saying your will be done will cost you nothing in comparison to what it cost him. It cost him everything, and yet he still prayed it. If Jesus can pray, your will be done in those circumstances, you can pray it in yours. And so today, we're gonna create room for us to respond. And to genuinely pray those four words, your will be done. And maybe for you, it's your will be done over your finances. Or maybe your marriage is on the rocks. 
You're going, man, I'm scared to pray your will be done. Jesus was scared to pray your will be done. And he did. Maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's over one of your children. God, your will be done. Maybe it's a relationship that you know isn't right. God, your will be done. Maybe it's a career decision or a life-altering decision that you're facing. Or maybe, like Jacob, you look back on your life and you realize that all of this time as you've been fighting your circumstances and angry about this thing that played out and that thing or whatever it is, you realize that you actually haven't been fighting against your circumstances, you've been fighting against God. And maybe today, like Jacob, you need to cling to God and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me with you. I'm not after your circumstances, I'm after you. I wanna see your face. I wanna behold your beauty. I wanna enjoy you and be enjoyed by you. I wanna know you. Or maybe today, your will be done means for the first time you come into God and going, God, I've been fighting for my will, my wants, my desires my entire life and I've never submitted to you. Maybe because I didn't trust you or maybe because I've had bad experiences with Christians or whatever. Whatever the reasons are, the invitation to you today is if you've never submitted your life to Jesus, praying your will be done is submitting your whole heart to him and allowing him to cleanse you, to forgive you, to save you. Because no one, no one is too far gone from the redemption of God. So, church, the altar's open. I'm gonna invite our prayer team up. Uh, prayer team is gonna get ready to pray with you this morning. And if you wanna come kneel before the altar and, and lay something down at the altar, the altar's open to do that. If you're wrestling with even knowing what it is to pray for, our prayer team is here. We would love nothing more than to help you wrestle with God through those things so that you would leave here today knowing not only what your desire is, but knowing that you have submitted that desire to the will of God who has good plans for you, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future so, be like Jacob. No matter what it takes, come to God and say, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Come to him now. If you want somebody to pray with you, uh, that's exactly what we're here for. If you need to submit your life to Jesus for the first time, if you need to come back to Jesus, or if you've got something specific that you're going, I need to pray God's will to be done in this circumstance in my life. Regardless of what your need is, come now and let's pray together. Amen, church? Amen. Amen.